This is It's So Interesting, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of travel and share our personal stories along the way. We are two sisters, Julia and Mira, who have been fortunate enough to fall in love with traveling when we were kids, travel to some amazing places and experience different cultures, and we want to share our passion for travel with you. Not only we do travel a lot, but we also plan journeys for others so they also can live the life of traveling to the fullest. We started It's So Interesting to answer common questions and open new destinations to those who want to get more from life. In each episode, we cover different topics related to travel, from the best destinations to visit, to the most unique experiences and everything in between. We also share our own personal stories and adventures, from the time we got lost in a foreign city to the amazing food we have tasted along the way, to unpredictable situations that happened to us and how we solved them. All these will help you in your future journeys and ease the worry of planning the trip. So whether you are a seasoned traveler or just starting to explore the world, we invite you to join us on this journey and discover all the interesting things travel offers. So buckle up, grab your passport and let's go on an adventure together. We just recently got back from our trip to the Netherlands to see the marvelous tulip fields in bloom. If you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen how charming, fascinating and magical this experience is. To be honest, I'm still impressed and charmed by this trip. We also went to Kogenhof, a huge flower garden we talked about in the previous episode, and it was a tulip explosion. So many flowers, so many colors, but I'm more charmed by the fields. Definitely, seeing them all around is fantastic. You just turn your head left and white and pink tulips are there. You turn your head right and there are yellow and red. You go further and there are endless fields of white tulips unbelievably gorgeous. I dreamt about it for so long and now I am fulfilled that my dream finally came true. Oh yes, Miro was in heaven. Do you know that she also brought a 53 flower bouquet back home with her? Yes, and all because we went to a tulip picking farm and you have to know about it if you are planning to visit tulip fields in the Netherlands next year. It is super cool and simple. You come to a tulip picking farm and there are plenty of those. Go to the field, pick any tulip you like and want, and then go to the barn, where they count how many you got and you pay per each tulip. This year the price is 35 cents. We paid 18 euros for 53 tulips. I am so, so, so happy. I still have them here in vases, pleasing my eye. Although you might know that it is hard to bring a tulip bouquet around, because I left it in a car for two hours while we were watching Formula One in the sports bar in Leiden and when we came back my bouquet was suffering from lack of water and fresh air. It was our mistake, but we were good at bringing them back to life. And also an important thing, European airlines do not have any regulations about passengers traveling with flowers and they don't count it them flowers as cabin luggage. So if you want to take a big bouquet with you on a plane, feel free. Also, we were in Amsterdam and it was super crowded because it was a long weekend, a very popular time for people to travel and also a king's birthday weekend in the Netherlands, meaning a lot of people are also spending time outside, having fun, and it was a weekend with a fantastic sunny weather on top of that. But that's not all about it. You know that Amsterdam is the capital of the world in terms of bicycles. There are so, so, so many of them that 
those parking lots for bicycles can surprise many visitors. I don't know how people find their bicycles there. And now the municipality of Amsterdam proposes to impose speed limits for cyclists to 20 km per hour for safety. There are more and more electric bicycles in the city which travel at speeds of more than 35 km per hour and it causes a threat to the safety of other cyclists and pedestrians. By the way, do you know that the very first automatic speedometer, the speed camera, was invented by a Dutchman? I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, the racer, rally racer driver Maus Gatsonides. Why did he do it actually? So the Gatso speed camera is a speed measuring device used today by many police forces to catch speeding drivers. He originally invented the Gatso speed camera to measure his cornering speed in an attempt to improve his driving. Wow, this is impressive! How his personal invention for himself changed it all for the drivers and safety measures almost all over the world. Yeah, it's so interesting. And do you know what else is interesting? Flags. Definitely, country flags are a whole other topic, where each has its unique history and colors that symbolize something special for a particular country. And do you know which flag is the most recognizable flag in the world? I had no idea. I can only suggest it's either Canadian or Swiss. It is the Swiss flag and it is the one we will talk about today. The Swiss flag, also known as a Swiss cross, is one of the most recognizable flags in the world. The flag features a simple and distinctive design, with a red field and a white cross in its center, according to the 2017 flag law. And for many, it may come as a surprise, it is usually mistaken with a red cross organization flag. So let's clarify it once and for all. The origins of the Swiss flag can be traced back to the 13th century, when the Swiss Confederate was formed as an alliance of several cantons, states in the region. The white cross on a red field became a symbol of the confederacy and was used on military banners and seals. Over time, the Swiss flag became more widely adopted as a symbol of Switzerland as a whole, rather than just the confederacy. In 1848, the modern Swiss federal state was established and the Swiss flag was officially recognized as a national flag. The red cross, on the other hand, was founded in Switzerland in 1863 by a Swiss businessman named Henry Dunant. Dunant was inspired to create the organization after witnessing the suffering of wounded soldiers in a battle of Italy. Their organization's mission was to provide aid and support to people affected by war and other humanitarian crises, regardless of their nationality or political affiliation. The Red Cross adopted the Swiss flag, inverting its colors, as its symbol in honor of Switzerland's reputation as a neutral and humanitarian country, and also in honor of its Swiss initiator. The organization's founder, Henry Dunant, was awarded with the first Nobel Peace Prize in 1901 for his role in establishing the Red Cross. Today, the Swiss flag and the Red Cross flag continue to be closely associated with each other. Due to the historical and cultural connections between Switzerland and the humanitarian organization it helped to create. 
So this time once again the Swiss flag is a red square with a white cross. And we attach the photos of both flags in our Telegram post, so you will see the link below in the description. There are actually many flags that can be confused. For example, the flag of the Netherlands and Luxembourg, a flag of Moldova and Romania, Indonesia and Monaco. Oh, there is a long story about their fight for the use of the flag. Indeed! Let us know if you are interested in learning about the flags, so we add extra episodes to cover such topics. Yes, please, comment, write us on Instagram or leave comments in Telegram. Your feedback is so super important. It is totally fine to be confused. We are all people and make mistakes. We are not perfect, but unique. There's even a museum of failure. It is going to be a traveling exhibition which is now in New York. The Museum of Failure proves that even the most successful businesses can sometimes have very bad ideas. There you can see bad ideas, the worst designs and unsuccessful conceptions. The exhibit is curated by Swedish psychologist and innovation researcher Dr. Samuel West and houses more than 150 items he considers commercial flops. According to West, the goal of the museum is to help people recognize we need to accept failure if we want to progress and to emphasize to companies to learn more from their failures without resorting to cliches. It is about the critical role of failure in innovation that encourages everyone to learn from mistakes and continue going. Samuel West's 2016 visit to the Museum of Broken Relationships in Zagreb, Croatia inspired the concept of the museum and now, among other products, you may see there the 2011 Big For Her Pants developed and marketed to women. The only difference was the glitter and the higher price tag. Also, the Google Glass a brand of smart glasses that raised some red flags regarding privacy, talking doll, Kodak camera, spray-on condoms and other creations. Also, the exhibition encourages people to share what in their opinion is a failure of creation or design, so they will consider adding it to the exhibition. Well, I truly understand it. It's like my creation with my father for my school market back when I was in the third grade, I think. The idea was to make something uh, created home as DIY and sell it at the school market to make money for a good cause. It took me a while to think about what I really wanted to make or what I actually could make. I asked my friends and many were drawing something, making collages and so on. I went to ask for help from our father and he was so serious about it, acting like say no more. So, after a few hours, he said, we will make transformers. At this moment, I have to say that I was a child who was into machines, cars, climbing trees and building houses, so I liked to be with our father in the garage. A couple of days later, he said, we will make transformers using the beer caps. I was charmed. We went outside, three of us with Miro, to collect beer caps we could find. We deformed them and he took his instruments to solder the beer caps and after they were ready we painted them. They looked badass. But to my surprise I didn't sell anything at the market. My friends who brought paintings, cookies and crochets sold their pieces and no one was really interested in my transformers. But I loved them. We had them for quite a while after that and at certain point it was a total failure. Not my best creation in life. But were you sad about it? I don't really remember being upset or something 
something. I was sad I didn't make money that day, but not because of not selling my pieces. But you see, actually the story about this museum of failure reminded me of that situation, so probably there is a bit of a bitter feeling about it. But I had a chance to spend wonderful time with my father, with you, creating beautiful things, and it's also an experience, so it's totally fine. So, let's then switch to the topic to something tasty. It has already become a tradition to talk about food in each episode of It's So Interesting. But today let's talk about drinks, because let's agree, drinks are also an important part of traveling and learning about cultures. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol. There are lemonades, harchata teas, coffee drinks, and so many other delicious things to try apart from the alcohol. But you want to talk about alcohol. Oh, sure, of course, yes, because this one has an interesting story and lovely significance. Is it tasty? Yes, of course. We are talking about the daiquiri. It is a classic cocktail that originated in Cuba in the late 19th century. The drink is made with rum, lime juice, and sugar, and is typically served over ice. The exact origins of the daiquiri are somewhat unclear, but it is widely believed that the drink was created by American engineers and soldiers who were working on a mining project in the small town of Daiquiri, located on the southeastern coast of Cuba. The legend has it that during a break from work, a group of engineers walked into a local bar and asked the bartender, named Jennings Cox, to mix up something refreshing. Cox combined rum, lime juice and sugar and served the resulting concoction over ice. The engineers loved the drink, and soon the daiquiri became a popular local cocktail. It is also possible that William A. Chandler, a U.S. congressman who purchased the Santiago Iron Mines in 1902, introduced the daiquiri to clubs in New York in that year. Over time, the daiquiri gained popularity outside of Cuba, thanks in part to the influence of Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway was a frequent visitor to Cuba and was known to be a fan of the daiquiri. He even had his own variation of the drink, which he called the Papa Doble, and which included double the amount of rum and lime juice. There is also a famous daiquiri place in Havana, Cuba, which is called El Floridita. The establishment is famous for for his daiquiris and for having been one of the favorite hangouts of Ernest Hemingway in Havana. The bar now boasts a life-size bronze statue of Ernest Hemingway positioned in his favorite spot at the end of the bar. On the small plaque hanging in El Floridita hangs signed by Hemingway his quote, my mojito in the bodeguita del medio and my daiquiri in the Floridita. Today, the daiquiri remains a beloved classic cocktail and can be found on the menu at bars and restaurants around the world. Its simple yet refreshing combination of rum, lime and sugar has made it a favorite of bartenders and cocktail enthusiasts alike. And now we know more about this cocktail. Also, we will talk about El Floridita in detail, as this place is very significant to Havana. Probably it will be a separate part of our podcast that will be available on Patreon after we launch it properly. Now, if you like what we do and appreciate our work, you can support us on Patreon for only five bucks a month. But you get even more than just a podcast. We share bonuses available for every tier along with recipes, cool facts, and 
destination tips. Thank you for listening to It's So Interesting, where we explore different topics about travel and shared our personal stories. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned something new. Remember, travel is all about the experiences you have and the memories you create. So don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and explore new destinations. We also would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels and let us know what you thought of the podcast. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd happy to hear them too. I have a suggestion. Let's talk more about Cuba. We have so many stories and you have to hear them. <laughs> yes, definitely. From the moment we came to Cuba, it all has started. Thanks again for tuning in. Come back next week to keep exploring because it's so interesting. <laughs>